Hello and welcome to Hypermobility University Podcast. This is an educational podcast where healthcare providers and patients who deal with people with hypermobility are sharing their knowledge and experiences. My name is Sarah Feruza and I'm a physical therapist specializing in hypermobility at Perfect 10 Physical Therapy. Here we go. All right, so today we have a very special guest on the podcast. I'd like to welcome Hillary Rossiti of Truce Nutrition. Hillary, thanks for coming on and talking to me today. Um, so I wanted to start by just asking you a couple of questions to hear a little bit about you and your business. So what got you into the field of nutrition? Hi, well, thank you for having me. Um, well, one easy quick answer is I absolutely love food. I also love understanding um, what we do and why we do it and what food serves for many of us. I would say there's three branches that have led me to where I am today. Okay. One, one is I grew up in a household, like many of us, where food was very polarized. It was um, something that symbolized love, connection, tradition, um, memories, nostalgia, but it also was something that was seen as a reward, a punishment. We had Diet Coke and we also had cupcakes. We had Doritos and we also had those fat-free Pringles, you know? So it was something that was, you know, celebrated, but also seen as something that had to be earned. And growing up, that's kind of what I knew as a norm. Mm -hmm. At 20 years old, which is number two, is I lost my mother to cancer. And I think at that time I was like, okay, I think the way to cope was I'm going to use this nutrition knowledge to make sure I prevent any disease. Mm-hmm. And that led to a more polarized relationship with food, mm-hmm. which I now know now. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and lastly, I love people. I love listening. I love learning. I'm definitely an empath. So any way that I can understand somebody's experience, <laughs> I am going to really um, just delve into what they're telling me, try to learn from them and help them. So between these three things, I learned, okay, how can I help people develop a better relationship with food? Mm-hmm. How can I learn from what I went through and realize, hey, that's, that's not how it has to be. Mm-hmm. And I fortunately find myself in a very different place now, and I'm so grateful. So all I can do is want to help others. That's where I am. And, okay. and that's why I'm here today. Great. So when you were around that 20 year old age and you were trying to eat healthy to prevent these diseases, where were you gathering that information from? Do you think you were doing a good job at uh, sourcing your information or not so good? (laughs) Good question. I thought I was doing a great job. (laughs) No, was I, I was um, not yet really in, I was actually at that time in school for psychology and counseling. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be a therapist as going back to me, loving to learn from people, loving to help people. Um, a lot of it was probably Google searching if I had to go back to that time in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was probably very um, research-backed information, but now being somebody who is a clinician in the, in the realm, I can mm-hmm. understand that research a lot better and understand the nuance of all of it. So I think it was a lot of black and white, very extreme, not very controlled um, research that I took and was like, okay, you know, we have to remove this, remove this, remove this. And, you know, you just get so fearful when something like that happens in your life at such a young age that you want to do anything to um, prevent that kind of feeling again. Definitely. Definitely. Something that I find uh, as a physical therapist is research kind of finds certain modalities beneficial or not beneficial. Um, but like you said, it can be very black and white. So 
sometimes you also have to look at the person in front of you and the other aspects of their life and their support system and their emotional and mental health. Um, so I imagine you kind of feel the same way in your field. Absolutely. Like, I think we can give somebody a list of foods that are, you know, giving you this nutrition or that nutrition, and it does not matter if you don't understand the person how, what they like and how they can utilize that information. Absolutely. Um, so kind of along the same line, what are some common misconceptions in the field of nutrition that you hear from clients, things that you feel are important to dispel? I'm sure there's probably a hundred of them, but if you can give me a couple top ones. Yeah, I would say the main one is that, you know, often people come into nutrition sessions, even knowing, you know, really where I specialize in right away are saying, all right, tell me what foods are good, what foods are bad. Mm -hmm. And truthfully, I'm going to be honest with you. I wish nutrition was that black and white. <laughs> I would have a really easy job, right? Just like <laughs> eat this, eat that. I solved everything. Um, but it's just not like that. Foods, every, you know, different foods provide different nutritional profiles, but also unique experiences. And even biologically, we do all react differently to different foods. Mm -hmm. So it's really important that I think people understand that nutrition is very personalized. That's why when you meet with a registered dietitian, hopefully that is the work that's being done is understanding your unique needs and your unique preferences and how different foods react for you. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, so that some foods, you know, that are maybe really amazing for you, maybe really crummy for me and mm -hmm. vice versa. So I think it's really important that people understand it's not just good, bad. It's not just like these foods are pro-inflammatory and these are anti-inflammatory. It's just, that's not really the case. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's like the biggest misconception of nutrition is that, um, that there is certain good, there's certain bad, and you just got to follow those kind of rules. Mm -hmm. Um, I know a lot of things I've been seeing recently are about like different tests and things about food allergies versus food intolerances. And what do you think about that? Do you think that those tests are accurate or do you think uh, there's more to it or less to it than that? Food allergies are one thing, mm -hmm. you know, allergy, you're being diagnosed with an allergy. Like I'm not going to argue that, that that's a response from the body. Whereas a food sensitivity is very question mark in my opinion. Um, <laughs> If somebody has an experience and they, and they're telling me, Hey, every time I eat this, I really do get, I'm just gonna say rashes. I, I trust them, you know, and that's something right. that I will probably take more to, like, I will take that more to heart than if we see this panel of a sensitivity test that mm -hmm. shows that suddenly they have sensitivities to all these foods that they have had no problem eating for so many years. Right. Right. Questionable. Mm -hmm. And also our guts. Um, break down the proteins very differently from our blood and our skin. So just something we need to think about is how proteins denatured um, as we digest it. So sometimes the, what we see on these panels may not be actually true to what we see when we eat and digest food. Okay. Okay. That's really interesting. Um, so understanding that, like we already talked about, nutrition is definitely an individualized science and it needs to be catered to the person in front of you. Um, for myself, seeing a lot of patients with chronic pain, and I know that you also kind of help out some of those patients. Is there anything that you think is an important aspect to look at uh, with these people, whether it's like in their diet or things that they should be adding or changing with their diet on a general sense? Yeah. So I think when, when meeting with somebody who's coming in with a lot of pain, a lot of inflammation, of course, number one is this is not so directly related yet to what they're eating is, but what is their history with food and what's their relationship with food? Mm -hmm. And that's actually more important than we may realize because mm -hmm. if they have been, you know, if they've been experiencing a really 
negative or disordered relationship with food that sometimes can even tie into their inflammation and pain, but also it definitely ties into how we approach it. So Mm -hmm. it's important one to understand somebody's relationship with food, their history. Um, And number two, I would say access. Like what do they really have access to from a financial point of view, Mm -hmm. from um, a like physical and practicality point of view, from a motivation point of view, like what do they really want to do? Um, Because I think often we hear, oh, like eat this paleo super um, super food casserole and that will like heal everything, which great, maybe it does have a lot of nutrition, but if somebody can't walk to the kitchen, I think that's really silly um, because they're not making that, you know, they're not eating. And so I think us really looking at what are they able to do? What can we put together to provide at least a foundation of, of nutrition that we need for healing for making sure their body feels safe, getting enough protein, fats, carbohydrates, and micronutrition. Mm -hmm. So looking at, you know, I think we can all acknowledge that certain foods are typically, and I'm going to really put big quotations on that, going to provide um, a lot of benefit to the body, you know, fruits and vegetables, um, fats, like, you know, nuts and avocados, things and such like that, different mm-hmm. proteins, you know, omega-3s. However, we need to really look at like, but what if that person's allergic to some of those foods or what if they can't financially afford those? So it really does take in a lot of understanding the relationship, their access, and then going into understanding what foods can they bring in nutrition wise, as well as from their own experience, what has actually really made them feel wonderful, energized versus not so great. Great. Um, so kind of relating off that one a little bit, I know that uh, with you and your business, you guys really specialize in eating disorders and disordered eating. And I think that most of the population kind of recognizes things like anorexia and bulimia, those extremes, eating disorders. Um, but what do you think, uh, I, I'd imagine you think that there's a little bit more to it than that. And kind of in that disordered eating realm, can you talk about that at all? Yeah. Yeah. So in terms just, um, make sure I understand. So kind of the, some other disordered eating other than the more known anorexia, bulimia. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't, you know, the truth is, is that most of the clients that we see probably don't fall into one of those categories. Mm-hmm. You know, some, but I think there's a lot who have kind of like what I was talking about, you know, where it was, you know, something was never diagnosed with that. It was never to, you know, maybe a quote unquote extreme, but feeling like, you know, that I had to control what I was eating to prevent a one disease or to just feel in control. Um, and it still, you know, had a big mental, emotional impact. So I would say, you know, there's what we now know as orthorexia which is an obsession with health, obsession with, you know, doing everything for wellness and that having a very much of a moral um, contribution. Um, There's also just, you know, kind of a little like where people are just feeling very anxious around what to eat and feeling just, they have no idea. They have no, they have no, um, I would say connection with their own body, hunger, fullness cues, and other just messages from their body. And that can be seen as disordered. Why are we, why are we not having that connection? What's mm-hmm. going on? So there, I mean, there's that binge eating is now something that is becoming more well-known, more seen as, you know, now finally is seen as another eating disorder. And that one is the most common, mm-hmm. you know, various different reasons and, you know, understanding more of that and how that affects somebody emotionally and physically is really, really important. So there's so much where, you know, people may have a piece of this and a piece of that or more emotional, more feel it emotionally and, um, you know, 
socially even than necessarily having this one certain diagnosis due to a weight or a size because you can have an eating disorder in any weight or size. Right, right, absolutely. Um, and do you think that some of these disordered eating behaviors, do you think uh, in your experience, can they affect the pain that somebody's feeling or do they seem like they affect pain levels? I definitely think so. Um, you know, something I know we were talking about earlier before um, talking here was that more and more I am seeing different hypermobility conditions mm -hmm. among with eating disorders or disordered eating. But more than that, I think one, we can understand that at the basic level, malnutrition, mm -hmm. something that can definitely lead to inflammation can lead to also faulty healing. Mm -hmm. So whether that's a macronutrient place, a micronutrient or energy, just calories, but of course, if there's disordered eating and not enough nutrition going into the body, that can definitely have an effect on inflammation. Mm -hmm. um, also dehydration. So mm -hmm. if there's being done, whether again, that's restriction, purging, overexercise, diuretics, that's not going to allow for proper healing. That definitely will put the body in so more inflammation. Um, and overexercise, you know, it's not often, you know, if we hear everywhere, and I'm sure you know this very well as exercise. And I truly believe movement is amazing. I think it's one of the best things for our body and brain if done appropriately, if done mm -hmm. in balance. And when, you know, individuals are over-exercising, not fueling, that is extremely pro-inflammatory and causes a lot of pain due to that and, you know, lead to fractures and, you know, all these other things that could be going on, poor bone health. Um, so for sure. I mean, just, you know, I think that if we're not giving our bodies proper nutrition, um, and whether that's intentionally or not, but, you know, mm -hmm. let's say with ordered eating patterns that, that can affect inflammation and cause later issues in life. Definitely. Um, that's something. So outside of the population with chronic pain, with hypermobility issues, I work with, I also work with some high level gymnasts, um, some of who, uh, train all day. They don't go to school. They have, you know, they do homeschool. They have seven or eight hour practices and trying to just encourage them to make sure that they're eating during practice because they're building all of this inflammation, uh, with their exercise, which is okay. Um, but really eating to repair that has to be so important so that it doesn't compound when they're doing this five days a week. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think people realize how much food they need to be keeping up with that kind of movement. Definitely. Definitely. So in general, what are some signs that somebody should be working with a registered dietitian? Yeah. I think about it. I mean, I think it benefits everybody, including dietitians, by the way. And that's just, you know, I think that we all could get like, oh, like, you know, how, just a check in here and there. Yeah. Um, but definitely, I would say if somebody is feeling confused, if somebody like they're getting, and this is what I hear all the time, like tons of information thrown at them, pulled in every different direction, so uncomfortable, um, and, you know, just totally big question mark over their head, like, mm -hmm. Clear the air a little bit for yourself. There really shouldn't be so much anxiety and confusion around food. It's like confusion around air. Like <laughs> you, need to, you need to survive. It shouldn't be something you do like four to six times a day, if not more. Like you need that to be a little bit more simple. Mm -hmm. And so I say definitely if there's any confusion, if there's any anxiety, you know, where there's stress or anxiety around food choices, um, definitely talk to a dietitian, especially a dietitian who might be a little bit more equipped to understand um, eating disorders or disordered eating. Mm -hmm. um, so 
work on your relationship with food. Because I think if you can work on your relationship with food, you're going to make food decisions that are best for you from even a physical um, nutrition science point of view. Mm -hmm. And of course, like if you are, you know, going through a lot of, you know, whether it's chronic condition, if you are facing a chronic condition, whether it's, you know, diabetes, um, heart disease, inflammation, um, it won't hurt to just, you know, have another person take a look at what's going on and see if there's ways, one, that the body can just feel better, but also that might help manage certain conditions. And that does not always include weight loss. A lot of times that can just include some behavioral changes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Something I find that um, with the the clients that I see with chronic conditions, they're most successful when they're kind of addressing all the aspects of it. So addressing the movement aspect of it, um, addressing the nutrition aspect of it, and then maybe addressing like the the stress and sleep aspects of it uh, with somebody else. So uh, is that something you see as well? Yeah. I always say like, I'm a dietitian, but sleep is... (laughs) It's number one. Like if you're not sleeping well, well, everything's out the window. So you're not going to be able to move not going to eat, you know, so well, cause you're way too tired. Your mood is, you know, all over the place. So sleep is important. Yeah. I think we can definitely both agree on that, that more so than <laughs> our individual practices, getting somebody yeah. in a place personally getting too. sleep, getting some rest. Yeah. <laughs> is the most important to address anything else. Um, so I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit with, I also, uh, a lot of people who have the hypermobility conditions that I work with also have POTS, postural orthostatic tachycardic syndrome and hydration, uh, can be a real issue for them. It can be a struggle for them and getting their electrolytes in. Do you have any favorite, uh, electrolyte drinks, whether it's something pre-made or a powder or a recipe yourself, um, that you, that you promote? Yeah. Liquid IV is probably the number one I do go to for individuals. I do see that quite a bit too. And I'm always kind of curious if there is a connection as well. Yeah. Yeah. And um, eating disorders, because I do see that quite often. So definitely liquid IV, coconut water. Mm -hmm. Um, If not, like we do talk about different, you know, electrolyte drinks like Gatorade or Powerade, if they are more, I typically, I mean, I have found some that you make yourself. (laughs) I haven't found many lights. (laughs) like honey and salt and some you know various different things put together but hey it's something that we if somebody is interested in that and they rather you know save money for you know and um, make it a home like that is something we definitely can explore because essentially we are just looking for our electrolytes making sure Mm -hmm. there's glucose in there and to be drinking it throughout the day that's the most important thing Mm -hmm. definitely all right. Um, so what is your favorite client to work with? And I know that you have a few other dietitians who work in your practice as well. So if you want to speak to any of their specialties um, as well, that'd be great. All right. So um, and what is, um, did you say my, uh, my favorite? Favorite client? kind of client to work with. And that can be whether um, it's yeah. a diagnosis, whether it's personal characteristics, what, you know, anything like that. Yeah. Um, for me, it really does. You know, I, I definitely like to work with individuals who have faced various relationships with food, you know, definitely, I would say that, um, my niche, my, my specialty is disordered eating and eating disorders. However, my, you know, somebody that I find is most ideal, somebody who's extremely honest, I'm mm-hmm. very real. So when I work with somebody else who's very real, it just, it meshes well, we work very well together raw. And what I mean by raw is being able to, um, say what they're saying, you know, say what they're feeling, I should say. Um, mm-hmm. If they're feeling negative things, I'd rather them curse me out 
Yeah. <laughs> I always tell them you're allowed to, this is part of the process. Be mad at me. It's okay. Yeah. Um, and kind of just feel like they have to yes me because I'm a clinician they're talking to. Like, I want this to be raw and real so we can work through it. Mm-hmm. Also, so I intervene in ways that are actually practical for the person versus them just saying, yeah, and they go home and they're like, I'm not doing any of that. Like, no, thank you. Like, you know, I know this is not easy. This is really hard work. A lot of the things that I work on with clients between the more emotional counseling piece and the actual practical behavioral change, which is scary as hell um, for somebody who's, who's basically doing the opposite of what everyone else around them is doing or talking about. So somebody who's open to talking about that, being honest, real, and then motivated, knowing that this is what they need to do. That is, I don't, I'm, I'm excited to work with any diagnosis, honestly. And I love when there is a little bit more complexity to it. You know, I have my master's in diabetes management from teacher's Mm -hmm. college. And so often I will work with people who have these more chronic conditions Mm -hmm. and also face disordered eating. And they're too, you know, often they hear one thing for their diabetes and one thing for their eating disorder. And that's super. (laughs) So I like to kind of help them be like, no, no, like we are going to simplify this. We are going to, you know, make sure that we're attending carefully to both. Yes. Yeah. Um, That's something I find, you know, some of my clients, I'll give them some exercises, some things to work on and they'll come back and they'll be so sad. Like, I don't know if I should tell you this, but I didn't do it. And I'm like, thank you. I don't, I don't mind that you didn't do it. I'm just happy that you're honest with me. And now we can sit and work through why you didn't do it. Do we need to change our approach? Is it, um, you know, is it something that you didn't like or couldn't access or couldn't do about it? Or was it a time, uh, prioritizing your time thing? And then how can we work through that? And I'm sure you feel the same way. It's a lot easier than if somebody came back and said, yeah, I did everything you told me and, you know, nothing worked, nothing helped. And they're just lying to you. And then you're like, what's going on? Absolutely agree. Because I think we're human. We understand that life gets in the way you're they're not only doing you know nutrition counseling or pt they're doing a lot of other things in their life so if they can just be honest and we can then talk through that and come up with a more practical plan like i'm all, i'm all around it. i always say there's so many other routes we can go yes yes definitely but going to um, the other dietitians um yeah maggie uh, maggie lafamore is um my lead dietitian on truce and she is an absolute rock star. She's one of my favorite people. Um, so she also is extremely specialized in eating disorders, disordered eating, has worked also um, on something called, you know, she's done a lot of work with FBT, which is family-based therapy. So she is extremely well-versed with young, the younger population. Works with adults, I mean, well, but definitely is just so incredible with like the kids, the teens, and the families. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's definitely her specialty is making sure that she can help the whole family unit when a teenager or even adult, you know, it does happen that we have that free tea with adults, um, comes in and really making everyone comfortable, knowledgeable, and, um, helping with the process. Mm-hmm. And, um, we, I also have Sanal on the team and she also is a professor at Rockers and she is, um, she works with various other, you know, chronic conditions. So anyone coming in with, whether it's renal disease, IBS, um, gastro issues, as well as eating disorders, she is absolutely amazing for, and then a newer dietitian on my team who, um, I am just so excited to have part is, is summer. And she is actually somebody who is, um, very, very specialized in athlete, like athletic training, sports, nutrition. So we kind of, you know, she's somebody who 
attends more to that arena. So it's like a nice, you know, kind of we have each, though me and Maggie are definitely really involved in the eating disorders and disordered eating, we all kind of come from the same approach of let's help, let's help work on a relationship with food. Let's not focus on weight loss friction. Let's focus on pro nutrition. Let's focus on how we can use nutrition to feel our best and to provide our bodies with fuel versus remove it. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's such an important, I think it's such an important thing to be promoting because there's a lot of um, information about there about what we should remove from our diets, but not sometimes that I feel like that might not be the best idea. If you remove everything that you heard was bad, we might, we might be down to just ice water, right? Get a tough place. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I understand you work one-on-one. Uh, you do have some in-person options as well as remote options, as well as support groups. Is that correct? Like more group style? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Try to bring, um, we definitely do, you know, one-on-one is something we've been doing longest traditionally Mm -hmm. um, via telehealth, as well as we have um, an office in Wayne. However, we are definitely moving towards trying to get some groups, more groups together. So right now we have a group running on Sundays that is um, called Food Freedom. And Mm -hmm. it's really actually incredible. Maggie does lead lead it. Mm -hmm. Very much peer led with our facilitation, of course, but it, um, the support is, it's, it's beautiful, you know, yeah. and I, it, that's important that, you know, clients love, you know, they say that they love talking to us and we provide great information, but we're not going through it right now. Right. Now that's, it's, and that's the truth of it, you know, and I yeah. totally agree. Like we're not in their shoes at the current time. We're not facing what they're facing at this you know, point in our lives. So though we understand and we can provide a lot of information, them mm-hmm. talk who are facing it in the now and going through the suck of it all, um, it's really, it's really empowering. So we're trying to get more of these groups together, maybe some more meal support groups, um, and that's to be coming in the next few months. Awesome. Awesome. So if somebody wants to learn more about those support groups or your practice in general, or they want to work with you or your team, what's the best way for them to reach out? Yeah, I would say they definitely can reach out on, on Instagram, which is um, at Truce Nutrition, mm-hmm. or can also, I would say, go to our website, which is www.trucenutritionllc.com and can contact us there. Um, and also I can provide you with my email. And if you want to put that in like the show notes, um, right. they could always contact me there. Great. Great. So I will definitely do that. I'll definitely put also the website and the Instagram handle in the show notes, just so people can refer back to that. Um, and then reach out. I think that support group, uh, all of your work sounds really great, but that support group is interesting. I think that peer support is really important. Um, like you said, sometimes the professionals understand the science, but they may not be on that same emotional level at the same time. So I think that's really great. Yeah. It's wonderful. Um, All right, Hillary. So uh, that's all. Thank you so much for coming on and talking. And then uh, we'll look forward to maybe having you back on sometime later. Thank you so much, Sarah. I really appreciate your time.